Welcome to Catholic Light. Join me, Becca Doherty, each week as we shed a little light while keeping the conversation light. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Catholic Light. Recently, I, for the second time in the last year and a half, two years, I threw out my back and I grew up watching, my dad has a has a poor back, and so I've grown up watching him, God bless him, you know, go to chiropractors and do physical therapy and put ice and heat on his back, do exercises. And so after the second time throwing it out, I thought, shoot, this is not a fluke. This could be the back I inherited. Um, it could also have to do with, with caring for small children around. Um, Peter lately has has really realized that like Lucy's the baby and he's not the baby anymore and so I'll say uh you know Peter you're you're a big boy now um you know you're you're not a baby and he'll go no mom I'm a little boy and then like reach up for me to carry him so whether it's genetic or what I'm doing in my day-to-day life I I just threw out my back uh, for the second time and so I asked a friend and fellow parishioner who is a physical therapist and has her own business I leaned over I waited till church was officially done and then leaned over in the pew I said Bridget do you accept Blue Cross Blue Shield? Which she did, so great. So I started going to her um, to do physical therapy and basically strengthen my back. So hopefully I won't do this again. So the first time I went, the first time I met with her, she sat down and um, you know very diligently took copious notes while I went through my back history, how I threw it out the first time, second time, what happened in between. And then, um, you know, she had me lie on this, this table where she kind of massaged my lower back. She asked if I wanted to do this thing called dry needling. And I was like, Ooh, that sounds weird and adventurous. Yes. Sign me up. So it's like, um, I asked if it was like acupuncture and she said, Oh no, no, that's like very lightly in the top of your skin. This goes into the muscle and basically like breaks up some, some hardened calcium and gets the blood flowing again. So she did that, you know, massaged my back a little bit more and then taught me a couple stretching exercises. And so I said, great, thanks. Lined up the next however many appointments and uh, in between appointments one and two, you know, I did my stretches, put some heat on my back, you know, whatever, walked around and and lifted carefully. Well, the second time I went to see her, she had said, you know, if if you want, what are your goals? I said, well, thank you, Bridget, for asking my goals. Um, I said, I would love to to go back to walking regularly and and maybe even running again one day. She said, okay, you're going to need to do, you're not going to be able to just pick up and do those things. You're going to need to to strength train. So the second appointment comes around and she teaches me a handful of exercises with, um, you know, those bands there's a name for it those bands um I'm, I'm holding a kettle bell kettle weight you can tell how often I go to the gym by the terms that I'm using um and basically taught me let's say five or six exercises and said I want you to do these each day between now and our next session well the next morning I woke up and like my abs hurt my these muscles I forgot existed hurt and I was like oh like I thought this was going to kind of be like a spa I show up to every week and you just like massage my back and suddenly I feel better. I have to work for this, like to get better and stronger. I have to put in the work. And uh, she's like, yep. So this is my segue into our discussion today about man's freedom. There's so many great lines. We're going to read actually an abbreviated portion of the catechism. Um, So many great lines about man's freedom and how we exercise our freedom basically for good or ill. And uh, line 1730 says, God created man a rational being who can initiate and control his own actions. 
Within paragraph 1730, it goes on to quote St. Irenaeus of Lyon, who says, Man is rational and therefore like God. He is created with free will and is master over his acts. So we are masters over our own actions. 1731 goes on to say, By free will, one shapes one's own life. So by our, our free will, our rational intellects, we know and choose and decide and basically are in charge of our lives uh, by the grace of God and with the help of God. So think back to last week's episode um, where we talked about uh, human beings are created with rational intellects and free wills, and we can use our humanity as it was meant to be used and achieve the goal. So the goal of our humanity is to be happy, or blessedness is the end, the goal, the point of humanity. Or we can use our rational intellects and our free wills as they were not meant to be used, we can use our humanity, live our human lives as they were not meant to be used or, or lived. Um, but then we shouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, we don't achieve the goal. We don't achieve the end or the point, which is happiness. So we had talked about, you know, different simple examples like a clock, a sandwich, a lawnmower, a printer. If I don't replace the batteries in my clock, I shouldn't be surprised when it doesn't tell time. If I don't sharpen the blades of my lawnmower and fill it with diesel, I don't know, gas, um, I shouldn't be surprised if my grass doesn't get cut properly. So if I don't treat these things as they were meant to be treated, if I don't use them as they were meant to be used properly with the goal, the end, the reality in mind, then I shouldn't be surprised if things don't work and if I don't achieve the goal, the end, the purpose. What these beautiful paragraphs from the Catechism are saying this week is that are that if we don't use our rational intellect to know the truth, so our minds, our intellects were made to know the truth, this reality outside of us, not something we create or decide, but something that's that's objective and outside of us. If we don't use our rational intellects to know the truth and we don't use our free wills to choose the good, then we won't be happy and fulfilled. We won't achieve the end for which these dimensions of our humanity and our humanity in general were created. Um, if we don't use them as they were meant to operate, then we shouldn't be surprised when you know the clock doesn't tell time, the lawnmower doesn't cut the grass, etc. So once again, I find this so interesting because I think the the concept, the understanding that the world, uh, society at large has in general is quite the opposite. So while, while the catechism says, you know, by free will, one shapes one's own life and man and woman are masters over their own acts. The world kind of paints Christians, Catholics, believers in God, theists, as these little like cute, fluffy, dumb sheep who simply blindly follow the shepherd and don't question, don't ask, don't really have a mind or will of of their own and, you know, just kind of like bleat along as they they follow the master. Um, I've mentioned my, my dear friend Teresa a number of times and how she thinks so beautifully and profoundly about a number of things. And she said one time, you know what, I think the, the church just needs like a better marketing campaign. We have so much good stuff in here, so many good things to say, so many wonderful things we believe, so many things, I think all the things, make sense, uh, correspond to reality and resonate with our intellects and our free wills. Um, but somehow the message gets lost in translation or 
you know, we don't um, teach it very well. We don't communicate it very well. And so she said, you know, I think the church just needs a better marketing campaign or a better marketing firm. And she, in fact, is in in marketing and, and campaigning. Um, so, hmm, the, this will be my attempt at, at helping the church market itself. Rather than, as the world often misunderstands us being these these little sheep without minds or wills, um, we're very much in charge and very much the ones who determine what we think about and what we choose and do. And therefore, the lives we live are results of our thoughts and then our actions that flow from them, which is awesome. It corresponds, as, as paragraph 1730 says, uh, corresponds to the fact that, or it's because of the fact that we're made in the image and likeness of God, who is rationality and freedom itself, himself. And so we image that, we show forth that, we participate in that as human beings, which is really beautiful. But it's also kind of terrifying because when things don't work out, it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, so many things are out of our control because we live in a world post-original sin, which is is broken, and we experience death and suffering and illness and this inclination to sin as a result of the original sin. Um, but so many things are in our control, and so when things don't work out, um, oftentimes it's a result of our own free choice, our own decisions, and that's a little, though it's very humbling and um, a little terrifying. Like I can't just blame it on the shepherd who I'm dumbly following, um, but I blame myself because I didn't, um, I didn't seek the truth or I didn't choose the good. I chose what I thought might be semi-good, maybe give me like a little goodness in the meantime, but I didn't choose the ultimate good and therefore ultimately I'm not receiving the, the fulfillment of my humanity. I'm not living um, according to this reality for which I was created. On a really happy note and I think a hopeful note, paragraph 1733 says, the more one does what is good, the freer one becomes. So the more one does what is good, the freer one becomes. The more I do my exercises and then my back exercises, my strength training, and then move and lift and turn properly, the better and stronger my back becomes and then the easier it is to move and lift and turn. Um, if, however, I revert back to that first appointment where I'm like, um, Bridget, can you just massage my back and um, basically like work out all the things that are wrong and I'll just lie on this table here comfortably, then um, I'm not growing in strength and analogously freedom. I'm not, you know, putting in the work, walking the steps that then lead to, in this case, a stronger back or analogously more freedom uh, where it's actually easier to do what is strong and good and fulfilling. Um, I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago reading this book, The TechWise Family, where it talks about integrating technology in, in a good way in your family. And um, the author, Andy Crouch, he talks about helping your kids become content creators versus content consumers. And uh, his family just happens to be very, very musical. And so he, he advocates making music um, as a family, rather than always just passively listening to music kind of pumped through Alexa or our phones or whatever. And so inspired by that, I my birthday was coming up as I was reading this. I said to Dan, I said, ooh, if we could find a free piano on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace for my birthday, could you get it, somehow get it to our house, and then we'll get it tuned, and then um, 
you know, embark on this this piano journey together as a family. So Declan's been asking to take piano lessons, and so he and I are going to take them side by side and hopefully learn to play piano. So side note, sometimes I get in these side notes, side notes, and forget where I'm going. But on a side note, we have a, a family friend, Roseanne, who is just this, this beautiful, devout woman, um, really close with the Lord. And, you know, we joke that that she and the Holy Spirit are like buds. And so after saying this to Dan, I get a text from Roseanne of a picture of a piano. And she says, um, you know, in the follow-up text, Becca, would you like a free piano? So I pick up the phone. I call her. I said, oh, my gosh, Roseanne, you and the Holy Spirit are like BFFs because I was just saying to Dan, you know, da-da-da-da-da. She goes, well, actually, I texted it to your sister first, and she told me that you were looking for a piano. But let's just forget all that. You are right. I am in touch with the Holy Spirit. We're BFFs. (laughs) So we now have this piano in our home. Um, as the kids sit down to play, uh, Sophia learned something, I think, from from one of our babysitters. She learned to kind of like punch out a little tune that's recognizable. But none of us in the house know how to play. None of us knows how to play. And so um, because we haven't practiced, because we haven't learned, we are not free to play the piano well. So I sit down at the piano. I am not free to play Mozart, Bach, Chopin, because I don't know it. I haven't studied it. I haven't learned it. I don't know the the keys, the notes, how to move my fingers across the piano. The more, God willing, the more I practice and take lessons and Declan practices and takes lessons, the the better we'll get at, the more we'll learn, um, and the freer we will become to, God willing, one day play Mozart, Bach, Chopin. Um, I think it's worth noting and, and again, delving into these these lines of the catechism because freedom in kind of the popular consciousness simply means being able to do whatever I want. Okay, nobody's um, restraining me or holding me back or impinging on my autonomy. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. But that that's not true freedom. Uh, true freedom is is being able to know the truth and choose the good because that is what we're made for and that's what leads to happiness. So I can sit down at the piano and say like, <clears throat> I am not going to submit myself to a teacher who's going to tell me what to do and, you know, teach me what he or she thinks. Um, that's I, I'm just free to sit down and, and play whatever I want, however I want. Um, but as a listener, we know that, that that's not actually a free piano player because what, like, gets banged out on the piano um, is not, not beautiful and not recognizable. And so, again, as... Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1733 says, the more one does what is good, the freer one becomes. So in the analogy of the piano, the more I practice and learn, um, you know, especially or maybe even on days where I don't feel like sitting down and practicing, maybe it's a little boring, um, it's not exciting, it doesn't sound that great yet. If I continue that, I persevere in that, I'm disciplined enough to sit down and do that, I'm actually growing in freedom to then play something beautiful and very recognizable one day. When it comes to the moral life, the more then we come to know the truth, so whether by by study, by reflection, by prayer, and the more uh, virtuous lives we live, the more we choose the good again and again and again, um, the, the easier it becomes to know and love and live the truth, 
than to choose the good. So let's take the example of confession. Um, confession can be off-putting for, for a lot of people. You know, I'm sitting down in this room one-on-one with either someone I know, um, and that's like a little embarrassing, or someone I don't know, and it's weird that I'm telling my, you know, my deepest, darkest secrets and sins. Um, you know, I then could potentially be humbled by that if he gives me advice. And then I'm, I'm told to, that I'm forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. But then I'm told to go forth and do something in reparation. So say some prayers or maybe, um, you know, do something kind for a person against whom I sinned. And so confession um, can, can be off-putting for some people. But this is what one of those things where, the, like anything else in life, the, the more we do it, because it's good for us on so many levels. So on a very basic human level, I'm, I'm getting these things off my chest, and then I'm getting advice on how not to commit them again. On a much more profound supernatural level, I'm being forgiven by Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, God himself, and I'm being given grace through in and through the sacrament not to commit these things again. Um, so, so it's objectively really good for us. And so the more we go, the more we do it, the more we go, the more we do it, the better we become at it and the freer we are to make even better, more profound, um, perhaps more cleansing and strengthening confessions so that we're then more grace-filled and free to not commit those sins again, more grace-filled and free to live happier, holier lives, not weighed down by our sins and the effects of our sins. So it's said that that Pope John Paul II, I don't know at what point in his life, would go to confession every day. And I imagine that's because, uh, well, in part, as he grew in his relationship with the Lord, he became more and more sensitive to sin and how it hurt him, hurt his other relationships, the other people in his lives, and hurt his relationship with the Lord. And so when he would sin, it was just like, like, let's get this out of my life, out of my relationships, out of my heart so that I can be free to not do this again and to live more of the life God has in store for us. Another great concrete example is is gossiping. So if, if I practice not gossiping, which if I'm used to gossiping, it's it's hard at first, um, just like it was hard for me to do those, those initial exercises because I haven't um, exercised or done like core or ab workouts in a while. It's painful and maybe a little uncomfortable. Let's say a couple other people are, are gossiping in my presence or with me and I say something like um, I change the subject or I try to say something nice about the person who is being gossiped about, about whom, ah, whatever, is being gossiped about. Um, it's like a little awkward and maybe difficult at first. But then the more I do that, the easier it becomes because I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. I've been here before and I've made it through and so I can do it again. And also the people around me are now used to me not gossiping and so they might tend whether they feel like I'm judgy or preachy or holier than thou or whether they feel uncomfortable. Maybe the light is now you know, shown on their actions and what they're saying, uh, they might be less likely to gossip with me or in my presence. And so it becomes easier and easier and easier to do what is good. I become more free to live this, I don't know about sinless, but less sinful life, um, more filled with God's grace and joy and peace. Interesting that it's now a couple of episodes I've talked about struggling with gossip. Becca, your your podcast is revealing about your struggles. <laughs> okay, so pray for me. All right, so we're going to end the first half of the episode here. 
on the other side of the break, I'm going to return to read uh, just a short selection today. So we're going to read paragraphs 1730 through 1748. And that's because paragraph 1749 starts with the sources of morality, so object and circumstance, the three ingredients of every moral act. And I'd like to talk uh, more about that or devote more of an episode to that. So that will be our next episode. Um, the next episode won't actually air for two weeks, so we I, I won't have an episode air next week. So in two weeks, I'll see you. Um, no, I'll talk to you. <laughs> be with you via your phone or car speakers or computer um, to talk about the ingredients of morality. So we'll get into a little bit of the the technicalities of of morality, which I think is cool and interesting. Um, In the meantime, um, you know, I'll be doing my my back exercises. I'll keep you posted. Cue anonymous Catholic Light podcast listener. Becca, we don't care about your back. Just teach us the catechism. I don't want to hear that much about your personal life. Just teach us about Jesus. Okay, got it. Um, I'll be doing my exercises, my strength training, to try to get my back up and running. Uh, So please pray for me, and I'll be praying for you and your, um, let's say, either physical or maybe metaphorical exercises. So maybe there's um, a particular thing you're trying to work on in your spiritual life right now and your relationship with the Lord. So I'll be praying specifically for for you and between this week and and the next episode in two weeks that that God gives you the grace to just do it, do it, do it so that it becomes easier and easier and we each become more and more free for the truth and the goodness that God has in store for each and every one of us um, that leads ultimately to our happiness and fulfillment, Uh, not just in heaven, but even now as, as we walk this earth. So we'll, we'll end there, take a brief break, and then return on the second side to read paragraphs 1730 through 1748. Thanks for sticking around. You are listening to Catholic Light. Thank you for joining me each week as we read through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and discuss some of its beautiful teachings. and welcome back. We'll now read Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraphs 1730 through 1748. Article 3, Man's Freedom. God created man a rational being, conferring on him the dignity of a person who can initiate and control his own actions. God willed that man should be left in the hand of his own counsel, so that he might of his own accord seek his creator and freely attain his full and blessed perfection by cleaving to him. Man is rational and therefore like God. He is created with free will and is master over his acts. Freedom and responsibility. Freedom is the power rooted in reason and will to act or not to act, to do this or that, and so to perform deliberate actions on one's own responsibility. By free will, one shapes one's own life. Human freedom is a force for growth and maturity in truth and goodness. It attains its perfection when directed toward God our beatitude. As long as freedom has not bound itself definitively to its ultimate good, which is God, there is the possibility of choosing between good and evil, and thus of growing in perfection or of failing and sinning. This freedom characterizes properly human acts. It is the basis of praise or blame, merit or reproach. The more one does what is good, the freer one becomes. There is no true freedom except in the service of what is good and just. The choice to disobey and do evil is an abuse of freedom and leads to the slavery of sin. Freedom makes man responsible for his acts to the extent that they are voluntary. Progress in virtue, knowledge of the good, 
and ascesis enhance the mastery of the will over its acts. Imputability and responsibility for an action can be diminished or even nullified by ignorance, inadvertence, duress, fear, habit, inordinate attachments, and other psychological or social factors. Every act directly willed is imputable to its author. Thus the Lord asked Eve after the sin in the garden, what is this that you have done? He asked Cain the same question. The prophet Nathan questioned David in the same way after he committed adultery with, his, with the wife of Uriah and had him murdered. An action can be indirectly voluntary when it results from negligence regarding something one should have known or done. For example, an accident arising from ignorance of traffic laws. An effect can be tolerated without being willed by its agent. For instance, a mother's exhaustion from tending her sick child. A bad effect is not imputable if it was not willed either as an end or as a means of an action. For example, a death a person incurs in aiding someone in danger. For a bad effect to be imputable, it must be foreseeable and the agent must have the possibility of avoiding it, as in the case of manslaughter caused by a drunken driver. Freedom is exercised in relationships between human beings. Every human person created in the image of God has the natural right to be recognized as a free and responsible being. All owe to each other this duty of respect. The right to the exercise of freedom, especially in moral and religious matters, is an inalienable requirement of the dignity of the human person. This right must be recognized and protected by civil authority within the limits of the common good and public order. Human freedom in the economy of salvation. Freedom in sin. Man's freedom is limited and fallible. In fact, man failed. He freely sinned. By refusing God's plan of love, he deceived himself and became a slave to sin. This first alienation engendered a multitude of others. From its outset, human history attests the wretchedness and oppression born of the human heart in consequence of the abuse of freedom. Threats to freedom. The exercise of freedom does not imply a right to say or do everything. It is false to maintain that man, the subject of this freedom, is an individual who is fully self-sufficient and whose finality is the satisfaction of his own interests in the enjoyment of earthly goods. Moreover, the economic, social, political, and cultural conditions that are needed for a just exercise of freedom are too often disregarded or violated. Such situations of blindness and injustice injure the moral life and involve the strong as well as the weak in the temptation to sin against charity. By deviating from the moral law, man violates his own freedom, becomes imprisoned within himself, disrupts neighborly fellowship, and rebels against divine truth. Liberation and Salvation by his glorious cross, Christ has won salvation for all men. He redeemed them from the sin that held them in bondage. For freedom, Christ has set us free. In him, we have communion with the truth that makes us free. The Holy Spirit has been given to us, and as the apostle teaches, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Already we glory in the liberty of the children of God. Freedom and Grace the grace of Christ is not in the slightest way a rival of our freedom when this freedom accords with the sense of the true and the good that God has put in the human heart. On the contrary, as Christian experience attests especially in prayer, the more docile we are to the promptings of grace, the more we grow in inner freedom and confidence during trials, such as those we face in the pressures and constraints of the outer world. By the working of grace, the Holy Spirit educates us in spiritual freedom in order to make us free collaborators in his work in the church and in the world. Almighty and merciful God, in your goodness take away from us all that is harmful, so that, made ready both in mind and body, we may freely accomplish your will.
That comes from the Roman Missal. In brief, God willed that man should be left in the hand of his own counsel, so that he might of his own accord seek his creator and freely attain his full and blessed perfection by cleaving to him. Freedom is the power to act or not to act, and so to perform deliberate acts of one's own. Freedom attains perfection in its acts when directed toward God, the sovereign good. Freedom characterizes properly human acts. It makes the human being responsible for acts of which he is the voluntary agent. His deliberate acts properly belong to him. The imputability or responsibility for an action can be diminished or nullified by ignorance, duress, fear, and other psychological or social factors. The right to the exercise of freedom, especially in religious and moral matters, is an inalienable requirement of the dignity of man. By the exercise of freedom, excuse me, but the exercise of freedom does not entail the putative right to say or do anything. For freedom, Christ has set us free. This brings us to the end of our reading selection, the end of our episode. Thanks for joining me for another week. Between this week and next week's episode, which will be two weeks from now, please connect with me on Instagram at Catholic Light Podcast, on Facebook under Rebecca Doherty. Please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. And in the meantime, God bless you. Thanks for joining me this week on Catholic Light. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your family and your friends. And connect with me through Facebook and Instagram. I'll see you next week, and in the meantime, God bless you.